Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Exodus chapter 9. Let's pray before we get into it. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you that your mercies are new each and every day. God, I just thank you that every day that I wake up in your presence just gives me hope and fills me with joy. God, I pray that we would walk according to your spirit today. God, I pray that you would completely and utterly take over our lives, that we would not let make room for our flesh, but God, that you would continue to um, bring to life the fruit of the Spirit within us, God, as we seek to honor you, to glorify you, to worship you in everything that we do. God, I pray that as we read your word today, it would come alive to us and it would be clear, God, and you would bring revelation that will inspire us to be more like you, to put our trust and our faith in you, Jesus. I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Okay, the book of Exodus chapter 9 exodus is one of my favorite books because one of my favorite characters in the bible is moses and how god uses moses i was a little bit jealous that i didn't get to uh share from the calling of moses but i will take that up with jason no I'm kidding um but yeah it's i love the story of moses so we're gonna be in the exodus chapter 9 and we're gonna start in verse 1 and i'm reading in the niv version the niv version new international version says this, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, and camels and on your cattle, sheep, and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, tomorrow the Lord will, will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died, yet his heart was unyielding and he would not let the people go. Verse eight, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils will break out on people and animals throughout the land. So they took soot from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air and the festering boils broke out on people and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them 
and all of and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. Or this time... I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded till now. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to, to a place of shelter because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field, and they will die. Verse 20, those officials of Pharaoh who feared the Lord, who, of the, who feared, feared the word of the Lord, hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that hail will fall all over Egypt on people and animals and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields both people and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said. He said to them, the Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord for we have had enough thunder and hail I will let you go, and you don't have to stay any longer. Verse 29, Moses replied, When I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop, and there will be no more hail, so you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord. Verse 31, The flax and the barley were destroyed since the barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and hail stopped, and the rain no longer poured down on the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, 
and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. Whew. That was a good 35 verses. Come on. Give it a little stretch. Uh. All right. There's a lot in here. Let me know what stuck out to you. Put in a chat. Put in a chat, right? All right. We're going to start from the very jump. Chapter 9, we see three of the plagues that God sent over the Egyptians. And I'm pretty sure we covered already that each and every one of these plagues was actually a, uh, a combat, a a a plague that was against one of the gods of Egypt, of the Egyptians. So the first plague that we see is a plague over livestock, right? Verse one says, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. I just love first and foremost that God really makes a distinction that these people don't belong to anybody but him, right? These are God's people. Pharaoh, you may think they're yours. You may treat them as if you're their slaves, but trust me, I will make the distinction that these people belong for me, that these people have a purpose and that purpose is to worship me. And I want you to let my people go so that they can worship me, not for their benefits, not for your benefits, but for my sake, let my people go, right? He makes that distinction. These are my people, and I want you to let them go for my sake, right? But then in verse 2, it says, but if you refuse to let them go and to, and to continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will be bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, camels, on your cattle, your sheep, your goats. Verse 4, but the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt. I just want to celebrate that real quick, right? That God will always make a distinction between his, his people and the people of the world, right? When we belong to God, he will cause us to thrive in situations that other people won't thrive, won't thrive in. He will cause us to thrive in circumstances, in cultures, in situations, in places, in positions where others may not. He will protect us. He will secure us. He will provide for us. He will watch over us. He will cover us. He will ensure that there is a distinction between his people and the people of this world. And I just want to make sure that we're on the right side. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know about you, but I just want to be on the right side. I want to be his person. I want to be his people that he makes a distinction between, right? Because he said, I will make a distinction between the, the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt. And he told them, every animal that Egypt has will have a plague on it. But you will notice that not one of the animals of my people will be touched. And sure enough, God being the God of his word, God being the God who is faithful, God being the God who is true, God being the God whose promises are yes and amen. When God says something is going to happen, sure enough, he proved that it would happen, right? And so it was so grave 
it says in verse five, the Lord set a time and said, tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. In verse six, and the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died. All of the livestock. Now, you have to understand two things. The livestock was significant, right? For a few reasons. Number one, the, in that culture, the more livestock you had, the more financial wealth, financially wealthy you were, right? So now you're talking about provision, also sustenance, because obviously livestock was food, right? But you're also shaming the idol and destroying the idol of the Egyptians because in that culture, cattle was revered. Cattle was treated as an idol, right? Um, it was so, it was so, um, it was such an idol for them that it said that um, the Egyptian religion considered cattle as sacred and the cow was often a symbol of fertility in such a way that for the Egyptians, they, there's history records that they actually lost a battle because one of their enemies put a bunch of cattle before them and they refused to slaughter the cattle, the cattle, which gave, gave the enemy the upper hand. And so you are really, God is really establishing, hey, listen, I am the God. I am the real God. I am the true God. I am the God that you should fear. I am the God that you should revere. I am the God that you worship and I will prove it to you by destroying your idols, right? So it was said in verse six, and the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the animals belonging to the Israelites died. Verse seven, and Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding and he would not let people go. This is a very scary place to be. Right? I love that. Doug said, where's the beef? <laughs> oh, man. But this is a very scary place to be. Because what we see and what we have seen over the past few chapters now is Pharaoh hardening his heart, all right? The Bible says um, over and over again, we see it a few times where Pharaoh makes the, de the decision, right? In verse Exodus chapter 7, verse 13, where it says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, right? Exodus chapter 7, verse 13, Exodus 7, 22, Exodus 8, 15, Exodus 8, 19, Exodus 8, 32. And we'll see, we see it again here in verse 7, that yet his heart was unyielding. The more you harden your heart, the less sensitive you become to God, the more consequences there will be, right? And we see that because he was unyielding and he would not let the people go. So God said, okay, here comes another one. And in verse eight, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it in the air, in the air, in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become dust, fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils will break out on people and animals throughout the land. 
Verse 10. So they took the soot from the furnace and they stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air and festering boils broke out on the people and animals. Verse 11. The magicians could not stand before Moses because the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. So these magicians who were trying to reproduce the plagues that Moses was uh, doing through or God was doing through Moses now couldn't even stand before God because of the boils that they had on themselves. And in this moment, this plague is actually coming against uh, their, the Egyptian god Imhotep, who was the god of medicine, right? And so God is proving to these people, hey, you don't stand a chance <laughs> against me. Your god of medicine can't help you right? He's fake. He's false. He has no power when it comes to me. And your magicians can't even stop my power, my might, my strength, right? And he says in verse 12, let's start, go back to 11. The magicians could not stand before Moses because the boils that were on them and all the Egyptians, verse 12, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. I wrestled with this a little bit, right? Because it's one thing for Moses to harden or Pharaoh to harden his heart. But now we start to see where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And we saw this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. And we saw this in chapter 7, verse 3. And I think there's something that we have to understand with this, because if you're not careful, you can be deceived into thinking, well, why would God not just soften his heart, right? But the truth of the matter is that what we see, when we see that God is hardening Pharaoh's heart, we're really seeing God allowing Pharaoh's heart to become hardened as he is becoming hardened towards God himself. Right? So God is like, hey, your heart's becoming hardened towards me. Your God, your heart is hardened towards me. So I'm just going to let you go as deep as you possibly can into this. Right? I'm just going to let you go as deep as you possibly can into this hardened heart so that you can see what, what the consequences will be. Right? Like, the moral really of the story is that God hardens those who's hard, who harden themselves. I'm going to say that again. God hardens those who hardens themselves. Pharaoh hardened his heart to God. So God's like, okay, you want to go down that route? Let's go down that route, right? So we see God hardens Mo, uh, Pharaoh's heart again. And Pharaoh would just not listen to Moses and Aaron. And the truth of the matter is that it's because God was not done teaching him a lesson. Right? Verse 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Here we go again. These are my people. I want you to let them go for my sake to worship me. Or this time, verse 14, 
I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people. So you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. So now we're starting to see, right? What's the point of all this? The point of all this is so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. And that's what makes God so good. That's what makes God so sovereign. That's what makes God so powerful. That's what makes God so mighty. That's what makes God so merciful. That's what makes God so kind. Everything he does, the good, the bad, the ugly, the easy, and the difficult, is so that we may know that there is no one like him. That there's no one like him. And he will do whatever it takes to prove himself to be the one and only true God, right? So he lets them know, this is so you know, I will bring all the plagues I have to so that you might know that to show, it says that I might show my power and that, oh, I'm sorry, it's the verse 14. So you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth, right? So that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. It says in verse 15, For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this purpose. This is the reason I'm using you as an example, Pharaoh. That I might show my that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. There's a purpose for everything God does. There's a purpose for everything God does. And his purpose is so that people would know that he is, there is no one like him in all the earth, but also so that he might show his power and that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Verse 17 says, you still, get your, you still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt. And it says in verse 19, give an order to now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field. So he basically tells him, hey, I want you to give the order, all your officials, all your people to put away their livestock, to get undercover because I'm sending a hailstorm like you've never seen before. So then in verse 22, he speaks to Moses and he tells Moses, gives Moses his instructions, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that hail will fall all over Egypt on people and on animals and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground so that the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm they had ever seen in the land of Egypt since it had become a nation, right? In verse 25, it says, Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both people and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields, and it stripped every tree. Verse 26, the only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen, 
where the Israelites were. Come on. God's sovereign protection, being faithful to his people and the promise, it will hail all of Egypt and my people will not touch, right? Will not be touched. Verse 27, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron this time. And he says to Pharaoh Moses, this time I have sinned. He said to them, the Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Verse 28, pray to the Lord for we have had thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. So now we see Pharaoh kind of, it seems, it appears like Pharaoh is having this change of heart. Like, okay, my people have suffered through livestock. They got boils all over themselves. Now we're dealing with this hail. It's destroying our livestock. It's destroying our people. It's destroying our, our uh, vegetation. It's destroying everything. Now he comes before Aaron and Moses and he's like, bro, we're done. We're good. I'm sorry. I repent. I've sinned. My people have sinned. Please just pray to your God to relent of this and be done with it, right? But then in 29, we see Moses' response. And he says, when I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail. So you may know that earth, the earth is the Lord's. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord. It's interesting. Because even though Pharaoh was repenting, Moses said not. I still know you don't get the point. Which shows that Moses was starting to gain this discernment, right? This ability from God to be able to discern what was really going on, what God was really speaking, what God was really doing. And I think that that's a lesson for all of us, right? Because really it's just a few chapters where God reveals himself to Moses, right? We go back to when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. And it's only been a few chapters since Moses has even really known God and is being uh, obedient to God and he's listening to God. And I think that the lesson here is that the more we listen to God, the more we hear God, the more we obey him, the more sensitive we are to his spirit, to his discernment, to be able to be led and to be able to discern what God is doing and what's going on in the spiritual, right? Because just because when we're going to see this, just because Pharaoh repented doesn't mean he was actually repentant. He was repented, but he wasn't repentant. And Moses said, uh, I know you still don't get the point. I know, I know you still don't fear God. I know you still, still don't have a reverence for God, right? And we see that as the story continues to unfold, as we come to an end, it says the flax and the barley were destroyed since the barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and the spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. Verse 33, then Moses left Pharaoh and went out to the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and the hail stopped and the rain no longer poured down on the land. Verse 34, here's where we see the, the true heart of Pharaoh. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. 
He's in the game. He and his officials hardened their hearts. Hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let Israel, the Israelites go, just as the Lord has said through Moses. It's a sad story for Pharaoh because the more he hardened the heart, his heart, the worse things got. And I think for many of us, I think many of us have probably been there at some point, right? Where we've hardened ourselves to the things of God because of experiences that we've experienced, because of hurt, because of pain, because of church hurt, whatever the case may be, right? I want to be in a place where I don't continue to harden my heart towards God, but I continue to walk and surrender in obedience, right? Where I yield to what the Spirit is doing, where I yield to what God is doing, and I walk in a trust and obedience, you know? But I also want to be like Moses, man, to be sensitive to what God is doing, to be led by what God is speaking to be led by what God is saying and to just say, you know what? I'm going to put my trust in you. And I don't understand why this Pharaoh just won't let us go and why we have to continue to send plagues and why this has become so difficult. But I'm going to trust God in the process to know that God is going to make himself known as the one true living God and that God will demonstrate his power and his might so that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And our job as people, as disciples, as believers, as people who have surrendered unto him is to ensure that through our life, that through our surrender, through our love, through our devotion to God, that his name is made famous and that we prove him through our lives and the work that he's doing in our lives to be the one true living God. Amen. Amen. So let me pray for you guys. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you that you are the one true God. I thank you that you are powerful. I thank you for your strength. I thank you for even your sovereignty, God. I thank you that you will do whatever it takes to prove yourself to be the God who is seated on the throne, to prove yourself to be the God who has all the power, all the might, all the strength, to prove yourself to be faithful, to prove yourself to be good, to prove yourself to be just. And so, God, I just pray that that would become evident in our lives. I pray that as we walk out and surrender, as we walk out in our trust of you, that, God, as we um, live out our lives, that we would do those two things, that you would use us even to prove yourself to be the one true God, to demonstrate your might and your power so that your name might be proclaimed in all the earth, God. I just pray that, God, as we continue into the weekend and, God, as even we go into the weekend and as Pastor Brennan is returning, God, that you would move in an awesome way, that you would bring a word, that you would anoint Pastor Brennan's lips, that you would uh, move your church, that you would uh, shake your church up, stir it up for revival that you are bringing, Father God, and use us to make a difference and an impact in this generation. I pray for those that you um, 
They call yourselves their people, God. You who make the the distinction of us being your people, your people called for the purpose of worshiping you and glorifying you, that we'd walk in the freedom that you provide for us, God. I pray all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, I love you guys. Make sure you're there this weekend. Get excited about next weekend and every other weekend to come after that. I love you guys. I hope you have a great weekend.